Hello everyone, I'm Yimika Koya, a budding urbanist, an architect enthusiast, and your host. Welcome to the Open Lagos podcast, where we explore Lagos's past, present, and future. We dive into perspectives and stories about Lagos and the salient issues facing our city. We celebrate the placemakers and innovators behind Lagos's built environment, dive into the history of the city, and glimpse into its possible futures. Across the world, cities are cashing in big on cultural and heritage tourism. Historical architectural monuments, imbued with the message of the past, remain till this day to stand as a living witness of old age traditions. Cruising through Venice canals, you are reminded of hundreds who navigated the waters long before you, and Cairo's pyramids literally immortalized centuries old civilizations. These buildings, imbued with historical significance, have a strong pull till today. Over the years, cultural influences have molded the way spaces have been designed here in Lagos, not only in areas of ritualistic and religious importance, such as temples and mosques, but also in simple residential structures that capture the changes the city has experienced. Colonial houses like Jacko House in Ibutimeta, with long overhanging eaves and deep wraparound patios, represent Lagos's transition from a small fishing town to a port city. Afro-Brazilian homes witnessed in the 19th century in Lagos Island have expressive doorways and Baroque-style chunky columns that capture the liberation of slaves who returned to Lagos with imported cultures. Going even further, Shungbo Eredo is a system of thick defensive walls that tells the story of an Ijebu noblewoman, Olee Bilikusu Shungbo, who lived from 900 to 1000 AD and her quest to protect her people from potential political confrontation. Cultural heritage in Lagos and Nigeria stretches long before colonization, yet very little to no attention is being paid to these historical testaments today. Culture plays an important role in Lagos, even in modern day. While westernization influences many new projects, architects and designers are constantly pushing back by incorporating historical elements and cultures in their work. As Lagos is developing at an alarming rate, the question is, how do we prove the significance of architectural relics and show the boundless opportunities cultural heritage presents within the city? So today with us, we have Chuma Anabwado, a designer, artist, and entrepreneur, passionate about creating effective collaborations, sustainable solutions, and promoting cultural identity. He practices natural synthesis, an idea set by the Zaria rebels that merges the best of Western and Nigerian traditions, forms and ideas into a hybrid art and design making practice and conceptual framework. Welcome to the Open Lagos podcast. Thank you for having me. Wonderful. Can you just tell us a little bit more about yourself and what you do? Okay. Well, I guess you've just run off the list. Um, yeah. I'm a designer. I, I like keeping it very simple. I'm, I'm a designer. I'm, I'm a restless native. Yes, restless native. Residence native. Restless. Restless, restless native. Restless, yes. I, I, I'm always looking for something to do. I'm always looking for mm -hmm. a solution to develop. Yeah. That's interesting. I've never heard that term restless native <laughs> before. I'm yes. guessing you coined it? Yes, I just created it. <laughs> <laughs> Great. I just created it, yeah. Yeah, but I'm, I'm Chuma. I'm, like you said, I'm an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. I'm an artist. Um, I had my background in fine arts, sculpture majors. Um, 
and then I had a stint working in advertising for over a decade. And then I went back into product design, uh, interior product mm -hmm. design. And yeah, here I am. I have a couple of design practices that I've set up and running. Yeah. Great. Wow, that seems like you have a very full plate. Yes, I do. And we're very, Actually. very happy to have you on the show with us today. Um, so before we jump into like the big topics, let's just warm this conversation up with some rapid fire questions. So first question, tea or coffee? Coffee. Oh, Agbo. <laughs> okay, Agbo. <laughs> it's going to be a hybrid of... Yeah, you can mix it up. Agbo and coffee. That's bitter. Yes, it's fine. <laughs> it's the, fine, the, you the, don't mind. The bitter, the better. Wonderful. Yeah. But yeah, coffee. coffee. Okay. Coffee. Black. Black, no sugar. Okay. Yeah, I know. <laughs> All right, next question. Early bird or night owl? Early. Early bird, night owl. Can somebody be both of them? That means the person doesn't sleep. Yes, I don't actually. Wow. <laughs> I, I do. Yeah, so if I, if I get six hours sleep in a day, I can't do more than that. That's fine for you. Like, like, my body cannot take more than that. If I do more than six hours, then something is wrong. Like, I'm... Like you're sick? Yes, like I'm sick or I've, like, really, really exhausted myself. Wow. But within 24 hours, if I sleep for six hours, that's it. Wow. I can't force it anymore. Yeah, I'm completely the opposite. Like, if I don't get eight hours... Okay, yours is eight. Yeah. No, I have to sleep more than eight hours. More than eight? Yes. Wow. <laughs> Okay, what is your favorite part of your job? Hmm, would there be a favorite part? Mm, I wouldn't say there's a part that, is that, that, that I would say I, I prefer. Okay. Um, but yes, the, the, the beginning and the end, they're always very exciting. Mm -hmm. Like when you conceive something on paper, um, you start a project, and when you see it actually existing in its own form and right, yeah. then it's exciting. But I, I think the entire process of... Um, creativity, the entire process of innovation and design is is just one roller coaster profession that if you're not in it, you don't just get it. Yeah, and I think in being in the creative industry is extremely is a blessing because you are getting to create your imaginations. Essentially, yep. you're bringing your imaginations into the world. It's a I blessing and a curse, actually. A curse. Yeah. How so? How would you describe that? Because you're creating new frameworks, new models, new mm -hmm. plans. There's no part for you. I mean, yeah, there's, there's a no part, right but a lot of work we do as designers involves um, starting something that is entirely new. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Especially if you're within the ambits of innovation, mm -hmm. it's about creating something new. So you do have to deal with a lot of questions, moral mm -hmm. questions, yeah. conventions, and all of that. Yeah. And you know, they say that an artist's work is never done. So you can go back and still want to change something, want to tweak something, because the, the process is, never ends, actually. The world itself is, is ongoing. Mm -hmm. Creation hasn't ended, you say, yeah. yes, you're very correct. Okay, so our final rapid fire question is, what is your favorite memory in Lagos? <laughs> favorite memory, not memorable memory. Okay, what is your most memorable memory? Honestly speaking, okay, I think I can point to one, but I do have lots of them. Yeah, but I would say the day I welcomed a person whom I have been studying mm -hmm. from primary school. 
secondary school and then a day came that he walked into a place that I was part of it set up and you know what came with him the people that came with him I mean him being in that space was it was just it um, I'm talking about Dimas Moku, Wow. who I has always been my icon. I mean, you know, when you're studying somebody in secondary school, like, oh, these are the seven Nigerian rebels. Yeah. So they looked, they like, they're so like I, godlike. Can you just give us, for our listeners who aren't familiar with who he is? Okay, he so represent? Dimas is, is this Nigerian um, artist, architect, musician, poet, uh, performance artist. He's everything, right? Yeah, so we call him the Putian designer and master builder. He's this guy that embodies everything that we should be doing mm-hmm. or we should be being as designers and artists and architects because uh, he's done it all. He's seen it all. Um, this is a legend. And I had a day that a legend walked into my space because he came to see what I am doing. Wow. And for me, that was all the validation I needed. Yeah, At that amazing. point, from that point, I didn't... I just, all I knew was, okay, well, let's just do it. But if I've, if I've had this guy come through, then I'm not mad. Yeah, I'm not I crazy. Mean, what does anybody else have to say? Who cares? Exactly. And to add that he's, he was um, 83 at the time. So to drag an 83-year-old man mm-hmm. from his village. Mm-hmm. Well, he didn't come to Lagos for me. Yeah. But, I mean, he still came from his village to Lagos and left what he was doing to visit this guy, this place, yeah. this thing. I mean, that that was it. I, I think I, I would, yeah. yeah. And what was the particular project that you were working on? Nothing. He just came to see me. He just came to see yes. your work, just to see you. Wow. So he, he I visited his place okay. um, and I saw what he was doing and it just made me realize that, oh, this thing that you created, because I have a a space, right, an artist and innovative space called Umbar, you know, that I just recently set up. And in the course of doing that, I, I did reach out and traveled to a couple of places. And when I got to Ibado, and saw what he built in just shortly after the war, early 70s, I, I was speechless because here I was conceiving things in a certain manner that was supposed to solve certain problems. And then I go back in time and I see exactly the same thing, mm-hmm. better done by somebody that is still living, who happens to be um, an idol of mine that I could reach, that I actually reached. So he was like, okay, this guy lived, existed well ahead of his time, and him now coming to, because I've now told him, this is what I did. And of course, we've had conversations. I went to meet him in his village where he lives. Uh, We talked about everything. But him still coming to the place was like, yeah, that was like off, off the chain. So I, I created a small event to welcome him and have other designers come around and let's have a like a small small fire fireside chat like kind of a thing. And yeah, it was just about blessings. Oh, I've seen what you're doing. It's nice, you know. He called me on the phone and said, um, "Chuma, you have been in Lagos for three days. You have not come to see me." <laughs> you have built your Kalakuta Republic and and that was it, that was what he said and I said, um, sir, I'm coming. So for me, really, beyond everything is the fact that I'm having a conversation with somebody I literally worshipped. Yeah. No, that's amazing. You said that you went to his studio, you saw the work he was doing, you realised that 
he was ahead of his time. Yep. And because of all the work he did as an artist, you can then build on that. And yes, I guess it, that's how progress Exactly. Not, not just build on that. It's kind of validated what I was doing. Mm -hmm. That because, you were heading in the right direction. Yes, because there are points where I thought I was mad. Like, you are, there's, why would you want to be doing all of this? And then you see somebody that has done it way beyond where you've even gotten to. It's it's reassuring. Like, okay, fine. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm doing something that is it's not out of this world. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's jump into the topic of today, which Fantastic. is cultural tourism and architectural heritage. And I know that you, your work is centered around this topic. Um, can you tell us a bit more about that? Okay. So. As a person or as what I do? As what you do. Okay, and so, even as a person. So as a person, I am a cultural custodian, right? Um, you won't find me with English names. You won't. We are speaking in English because I don't have any choice. <laughs> um, so I need to state that clearly. Um, everything I do has to come from a position of culture. And for me, culture is me. Okay. Not some relic somewhere that we always have to refer to as our culture. Culture is us, our reality. What are we doing now? How do we wake up? How do we eat? How do we live? So our music, mm -hmm. our fashion, our art, I celebrate them. I embrace them as me, and it comes through in my work, right? So um, the name I answer, the name I give my platforms, mm -hmm. It all has to come from where I'm from, who I am, right? And I've, I've, um, I've made that distinction and placed the effects of colonization where it's supposed to be, right? So a lot of us accept what we've gotten from colonization as the mainstream, as yes. who we are. And then who we are is now second fiddle. So I've been able to turn that around and yes, I'm keeping things like language, which is obviously good Very for us important. because without that, maybe we need a translator between yeah. <laughs> me and you. So back to my work, I do, I do quite a lot. Um, I have a design company, a multidisciplinary design firm that is very, very um, indigenous oriented in terms of its outlook style. Um, that has given birth to Mbaruno that we just talked about which is an innovative space where we have certain mandates, right? I can't remember the exact number, but it has it borders around creating that enabling space for innovation to thrive. Mm -hmm. It's about creating that space where people can network. It's about improving study standards. Um, it's about giving birth to, call it social engineering, mm -hmm. creating the models, the standards. We don't have models that we look up to across various disciplines. So this is that's me trying to create a solution, right? That mm -hmm. would then give birth to other solutions. Right. So it goes as far as we want to get to a point where we consistently and constantly publish and put out design content, events, activity, um, all of it, like the the entire culture, it's it's big. Uh, you get to a point where you get the attention of government because at the end of the day, whatever you do without government, it, it's just there's a ceiling you're going to get to and then it stops there. So we want to get to a point where government now has to pass a legislation 
empowering this discipline. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm doing this because I'm a designer. I don't know anything else to do. Yeah, that's it. That, that's that's Barino. Now, there's something else um, which is, it's always been there, but the limelight has never been on it. The spotlight has never been on it, but um, within the next few months, it will be because it kind of sums up what I do, who I am. It's called Lizard, right? Lizard. Yes. Um, it was the first business entity I ever registered, by the way. And I've left it cooling off for a while, but I think the time for it has come. Um, it's a summation of all I've done and all I've been. I, I did talk about social engineering, and now we're talking about culture, mm -hmm. right? Now, this is where Lizard sits. Lizard is, originally, is a furniture, yeah, furniture company that is supposed to be creating pieces inspired by specifically the Igbo Uli motif, right? And can you just describe that to us? Okay, so my research work, right, my design degree centered on identities. Now, I split that word into two, ID and entities, right? So identity mm -hmm. and then ID and entities, okay. right? These are items that bear marks, that tell stories about the people, about the past, and pushes out a narrative, right? And for me, the Igbo arts, the Igbo design, which I now call Uli, okay. as an all-encompassing name, is my launch pad, right? But over the years, I've come to realize that what you find in Igbo land, for instance, is the same with Yoruba land. It's the same with the entire Africa. It's actually the same with the entire world, right? So it's about you connecting back to that which is yours or where you're from and then grow. So Lizard has now morphed into um, a, a place where you can come and leave that culture. So a physical place? Yes, it's going to be a physical space. It's going to be actually a concept store. Okay. Right, so now it's not just me. It's everybody that thinks like me. It's a space for all of us. So there's a slight difference between that and Mbarino. So while Mbarino is a place where you're trying to you're trying to give birth to solutions, right? We are talking professionalism, networking, and all of that. The lizard itself is is a, is, a, is an entire experience. Okay. Right. Um, all now the way tied from to, music to the exactly. fashion to the interior design. Now tied to popular culture. So sublimely, I'm creating something that would then be exported. Right? Because you can then export that concept store. Mm -hmm. Now, what is that concept? It's being Afrocentric. It's being cultural. I want to tell people that this is how you should build your house, by showing them. Okay. I want to tell people that this is, these are the foods you should eat, by presenting it. That one of the problems we have um, with our culinary exploits, our food, is that it's not been prepared for exports. But you have that happening now. Right? You have lots of um, platforms, a lot of businesses, a lot of brands, a lot of kitchens coming up. Um, I know I know of Unicoco in the US. It did an experiment. I know of Coast Bistro, which I happen to be part of, by the way, um, is uh, a charcoal or char-grill-based restaurant, right? So what are we trying to push? The, the way in which we cook that is sustainable here, right? So you grill, you dry over the fire, yeah. you preserve meat, you take that delicacy which is yours and then make it something global right um, between you and I in the last 10-15 years 
Shawarma was not our mainstream <laughs> delight. But I remember within, the come up of shawarma. Exactly. Within a very short time, it became the culture. So people just wake up and say, I want shawarma. But nobody knows that shawarma was imported. Um, so we need to take our food to that space. It's yeah. part of culture. We need to take our dressing to that space. It's culture. We need to take our music. Our music is, is doing well. Yes. I, I would say when it comes to culture promotion and exploits, Nigerian music is number one, right? Yeah. Um, Nollywood is trudging behind. A lot of work needs to be done. It's coming up. It's coming yes, up. Yes, a lot of work needs to be done, but a it's lot coming of up. Netflix deals are happening. Um, but the core of it, where it should happen, has to do with space, okay. architecture, interior products, because that's where you live, right? Um, anytime I see a house, building, that does not factor in this reality, I. I almost cry. No. So, in by reality, you mean like our climate, climate, material, um, the the people, their culture. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll give you an instance. Why do we design our houses such that you come in, you have a parlor, kitchen, room? That's it. Some people would then add study. Does that reflect who we are as a culture and how we live? Hold that thought. Now, if you come back to Again, I'll go back to where I come from, Igbo. We did not build our homes functionally. The functional spaces within a home is not what I just listed. You have the guest space where people come in and you receive them, visitors, right? Then you have your living space inside. And then you have your... The living space inside is private to your own family, right? And then you have adjoining rooms. Mm -hmm. What you find is that because you receive guests within this first part of call, the design of that place takes that into consideration. So it's usually like a box, palasha, and then you have chairs and then, you know, like a meeting room. That functionality we've taken out of our homes. And now the effect it has is that it starts to affect how we live as a people, how we relate with each other, because our houses have now been designed and built, not factoring in who we are mm-hmm. as a people, right? So your parlor, what you have as a parlor today is, is it a private space or a is it public a public space? space or yeah? um, your kitchen, how does it connect? I mean, uh, uh, we need to just take some steps back yes. and find out how do we interact with the home. I mean, in the last one year, people have suddenly realized that their houses are actually just places where they go to sleep. Mm-hmm. You don't live in those houses, right? Now, COVID has forced us to stay at home. Now there's a problem. Because you realize you, just how unfunctional it is. Exactly. Your house is not functional because you've designed it such that you come in and just throw your thing. So when you talk about preserving, promoting culture, it then has to do with this. Now, how then do you go back to this if you don't have models you can look up to. I did talk about models and that is where tourism comes in. Yes. It's all tourism. Because you need people to see it. I had an encounter two, three years ago. I walked into a place, it was supposed to be a factory. And the guy told me, ah, oh, this is Sabat Macaulay's house. I mean, he said it in passing. What? Yes. He said, this Habat is, Macaulay's this house is, is a is, factory. This is Sabat Macaulay's house and he had the 
warehouse at the back. Yeah. The main building is there. It's, on, it's in Yabaru. Don't act too shocked. You can still go there and see it. It's there. Oh my god. Now, gosh. that is the house that Habak Makoni which kind of factory? lived in. It's a. I don't want to mention, some I don't want to mention the name so that we don't <laughs> damage somebody's business. But what they do is they, they do stuff for. Um, Marketing, advertising, production, so okay. merchandising and all those fabrication, metal I work, woodwork. How that could have happened? Yes, somebody rented out that house that Herbert Macaulay lived in to, to this guy, and then he set up a factory. It's in Yaba, and when he said this is Herbert Macaulay's house, and then we went in, he's using the building like his office, and and then. Okay, that was one of the most horrible days of my life. Like, <laughs> yes, because uh, I, I lived in a house that was lived in by Charles Dickens. You, personally? Yes, in the UK. So, and it's written boldly at the entrance. Mm -hmm. Charles Dickens lived here. I mean, this is one of the houses he lived in, right? So everywhere he lived in, they would just go and mark it. That's yes. preserving that culture because those buildings now have a story to tell. Yes. Yeah? Now, we have Herbert Macaulay's house. Knowing what Mac Herbert Macaulay stands and represents for us, and somebody just carelessly rents it out, they've, yes, they, of course, they've destroyed everything. I mean, if you, if you, for you to set up a whole warehouse within that compound. Yeah? So, what we are discussing is very... Yes, I, you know, I completely understand your outrage, especially as somebody that understands just the cultural scale of that building, yep. what it represents, especially to Lagos today. But, you know, like you said, your friend didn't, they didn't have any qualms about living in. Yes, he doesn't know. Or having know. a factory. He doesn't know. So how do we then, how do we then highlight that these buildings, or how do we show Lagosians today that preserving these buildings is important? How do we pitch that to, you know, local authorities and show them the possibilities Experiences. So I think Open House is already doing um, a lot. That that platform clearly answers this question. Beyond that, we need to start creating experiences around um, these sites, these cultures. You need to start bringing people there and telling them the story. We see what was done at Freedom Park. Yes. Right. Um, we have lots of these buildings all over the place. We have the museum in Benin. We have the and it, it goes back to a sense of um, identity and knowing self. Where do you come from, mm -hmm. right? So in, in, in our ability to embrace that which is not us, because we want to become accepted, right? Part of the effect is that we are then throwing away our architectural and tourist um, heritage away. I mean, there's absolutely no reason why somebody should be allowed to go into such a building and erect anything else. Yes. Uh, there's a lot of preservation work that was supposed to have been done. But I can tell you that even that space, if the guy has money, they will sell it to him. And then somebody will knock it down. And then that's it. We'll never see it again. Right? So we have to go back and ask ourselves questions. Why am I bearing the name John? I think that's where it starts from. Start from our own personal identity. Yep, right. So it's fine, we can create experiences, we can talk about it, we can write about it, we can um, say all we want to do, but it, it goes back to the fundamental fabric of who we are as a people, what drives us, which is very, very much centered on a total 
social and cultural re-engineering. People need to start asking questions and saying, I'm sorry, I'm going to go a bit deeper now. Okay. Yeah? If you want to destroy people, destroy their culture. If you want to destroy their culture, destroy their spiritual realm, right? So I always tell people, the very place we need to start solving this problem is the very place we don't want to touch. Which is? Spirituality. <laughs> and religion. Yes. So it's it's very tough. I think that that's a very... It is very tough. Very difficult. Exactly. But I think just off that, I understand that there is, you know, we had a culture, we had an architectural language, we had fashion choices that were, that I that existed long before colonization, mm-hmm. long before religion, um, or the import of um, other religions. And I think my question is, do you not, especially with um, the concept natural synthesis, do you not feel like, or what, what is your stance on the possibility of, or rather, the development of our culture, including some of these colonial, I guess some of these colonial relics, such as religion, such as language, do you feel like we need to completely go back to how it was? Because in my mind, I feel like there is no way that, in fact, it's sort of an erasure of of our culture because colonization is our culture, although it was imported. I get what you're saying. Um, We don't need to go back, right? What we need to do is to respond to our reality, our environment, right? Our space. Because if you go back, you're just going to do what those people then did. What they did was respond to their environment, like build to their environment, use their environment. I'm saying, let's do the same thing they did. So it's, it's about creating a process of living, not necessarily going back um, to the past and then trying to bring what was before into it. No, it, it won't work. Mm-hmm. I mean, the realities have changed. But I'm saying we need to go back to the mind and start thinking the way these guys think. Mm-hmm. And that's where the word reimagining comes into place. Like, reimagine. What was this? I mean, before now, we didn't have fridge, right? But we buried clay pots halfway and they gave us cool water right before now we built on water on stilts right but today we are struggling with water by the way Demar said that Lagos should have been built on stilts and I agree like the entire Lagos should have been built on stilts because our ancestors already had a solution for living with water so why are we struggling with water I mean we are spending billions of naira building up an entire city in Lekki that is at the mercy of Flooding. the elements. When we could have just, in, just picture that city in your head but I think, on stilts. I think there's something very fashionable about, you know, very big infrastructure projects. And I know a lot of them don't, so, so I know Lagos is doing a lot of um, land reclam- reclamation projects, which is essentially digging up sand from somewhere and putting it is in an area to make up um, dry land. and. There's an argument, like you said, that Lagos should be built on stilts because that may be what is culturally appropriate. But I think when we think about development in Lagos, especially urban development, the idea of us sort of putting our culture into our architectural responses is sort of deemed as like inappropriate or not really worthy. 
very why why wouldn't you want to be like a Dubai kind of thing? Exactly kind of the point. Mentality. So which is which is which is why I said go back to that space where you consider sense of self. Why am I doing this? Why am I taking on this name? Right? Mm-hmm. If you can provide the right answers to those questions, then you've solved the problem. But if your answer to that question is I want to be like Dubai, I I saw this in America. This is how those people did it. Then the answers are wrong and then you're going to end up with wrong solutions. But if your answer is okay, there's water this place is waterlogged. Okay, let's do stills. Or within this community, everything I can see is bamboo. Therefore, I take bamboo and build. So I'm responding to the... So it is the, the answers we give to those questions about self and about identity, about expression, and about how we want to live and innovate is what will then change what the outcomes will be. Yeah. For now, we are still taking answers that are not thought through, right? We are just jacking the solution the way it is from somewhere else and then just dropping it. And then the problem keeps going then on and on. So if, if we are going to solve this problem, if we are going to start creating architecture spaces, buildings that would tell our story because buildings tell stories they hold stories. Two things you need to work on the mind of the people right? by creating um, that, sparking that desire, that knowledge for people to start asking questions, okay what do I do, how do I do this, why should I do this you take from there and you put it in the curriculum, Yeah, you need to train from school um, you, you put it in the culture, in, this, in how we organize our events, mm-hmm. uh, how we use and interact with our spaces, you bring that in, right? And then you take it ultimately back to government. Yes. And you then need to preserve what was, because it will help you answer these questions. When you walk through a building that was, there's a, there's a building in my village, the first story building, it's still standing. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you walk into that building, it's like a, is a, is a beyond an experience, it's a, it's a training, it's a lesson, it's like you, I learn like, okay, wow, this is how these guys look at that. It takes wood. you back in time. Exactly. So you, 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 you kind of go through the process they went through. And what that does for you is that you are now learning by experience, by association. Mm-hmm. So that's the essence of preserving. And of course, you can make money from it. Yes. That actually leads me on to my next question, which is when we talk about existing architectural buildings, structures, even designs, especially in Lagos, there's a lot of arguably really bad quality structures. How do we decide what goes and what stays? How or who do we trust with those decisions? Hmm. This is a wicked problem, right? (laughs) It's a wicked problem and wicked problems are multifaceted, right? So there's issue of standards, which is clearly the responsibility of government. Uh, We are not going to take that away from them. Right, uh, somebody that is supposed to approve that building plan. Somebody is supposed to ensure that what was designed is what is built. So where you have a plethora of buildings collapsing and stuff, then somebody is not doing their job. It's as simple as that. There is no, there is no quick fix because now you, it's now left in the arms of or in the hands of individuals. Somebody says, okay, because of my standard, I am going to do this to be right, and I'll use the right materials. The other person says, I don't care. I just want to make money. Therefore, I'm going to shave off. If I'm supposed to use five bags of cement, I'll use three. Mm. Right? Um, but it shouldn't be so. Because when you leave it in the hands of the individual, this is what you get, which is where we are now. Yes. So the government needs to wake up and take back its responsibility of not just preserving what we have 
for the purpose of educating the people we have now, but ensure that standards are kept. Yes. Uh, as a quick fix, professionals like us then that know what needs to be done, then needs to be at the forefront, right? Creating um, um, social platforms where we then get to share this knowledge, interact with ourselves. So share then, the knowledge of of historical of what, buildings. Of what should be, of okay. what we should be doing, how we should be responding, what our history is. And I think Lagos is doing quite well in terms of having these platforms springing up all over the place. You yes. just have them coming up. And I think it's because the time is right. Okay. The time is right, so you have them. What needs to happen then is that we then all need to connect because my fear, my fear going forward is that, especially around Lagos Island, where there is a lot of historical um, architecture, a lot of people, they don't, they don't know the value of it, so they just knock it down. But then even worse is some of these buildings arguably may not actually be fit for today. They have historical importance, but then they don't fit in the 21st century, and I know that um, a lot of conserve, a lot of people who believe in conservation would say that um, we should try and, you know, re reuse these buildings to fit um, today's standards. Find but, a use for them. Find a use for them. Yes. But what if it's too late? What if the building has just lived past this time and we have to, I guess, move on from it? Or even let me try to rephrase it another way. Is there another way that we can honor old? Or is there a way that we can honor past architectural buildings? So buildings that don't exist anymore, but then still held quite significant um, importance in our society. Like recreating them and experiencing them through VR, possibly. It goes back to the mind, right? Um, so there's the function of and responsibility of governments. We are clear on that. We are left with us now, right? It is the way we interact with these sites, these buildings, that will then give meaning to the general community. Mm -hmm. When they see that, okay, these guys are always coming here. What are they coming to do? What is this? This is not this building. What are they gathering here every time? Yeah. So the interventions that we are creating as designers, that we are setting up and executing and planning and all of that, is, is a stopgap, is a short-term measure, right? Maybe it would then get the attention of government to even do something in the areas where they're not doing anything. Lagos State is a bit at the forefront. I, I, I would always say that, I mean, outside of Lagos is worse, right? So in Lagos, we even, we, we are even aware and we identify some of these buildings, yes. right? Outside Lagos, it is, there's no awareness. So it's like, knock that down, right? I, I, I know people that have bought heritage sites and just bulldozed everything and then built up very badly designed um, architectural pieces there. So maybe what we need is actually um, what I say the government does not know how to wrap their head around. Um, you call it social media. I, I call it social platforms, right? Mm -hmm. Social platforms that border around crowdsourcing. So you get, this is people now managing, not government managing for people. It decentralized. Yes. It de so those structures, government don't know how to get on it. They either yes. throw money at it or they attack it. That's that's what you get. So it's happening in uh, financial services development. So you mm -hmm. have all that crowd crowdsourcing and stuff. It needs to happen in the design and culture and architecture and interior space as well. So there has to be more awareness. 
there has to be more awareness. Uh, and which is why I have, for instance, I've created Mbaruna. I want to have that in every city in Africa. So it becomes what you call the bar house, right? Mm -hmm. Where that place that generates the awareness, the talkability, where people that know, that understand the value of these things you're talking about converge. It's about building the community. So I think the most sustainable thing we can do as Africans is to build human capacity. I think that's where we are lacking. I mean, you can build all the roads you want to do. You can set up all the airports. If the people are not being built, they would destroy all those things. Yes. So for something that borders, uh, that centers on appreciation, right, which is not commonplace, right? Like it's like art, it's like music, it's like classic. Right, so that, that's where tourism yeah. sits, right? It's not for everyday person. You then need to start building the mind of the people so that you can have a good crop that would mm -hmm. come up and say, this is heritage. I mean, imagine if you have 20 or 30% of people in Lagos thinking like me, like us, yes. and then walked into that building and saw that guy saying, this is about Macaulay's house. There would have been an outrage <laughs> immediately. And I, then, I was outraged. Exactly. And then we swing into action and preserve that place. So I, I think the, the best solution is to focus on building the mind of the people, mm -hmm. right? And teaching them that this is who you are or who you should be. And you shouldn't even be ashamed of that. Exactly. The resultant effect would obviously be felt in tourism in architecture. Yes. And then, of course, there are other issues that are all around, like poverty, insecurity. Yes. I mean, you cannot be doing anything around tourism when people are being kidnapped every other mm -hmm. two hours. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, that's why I said it's a wicked problem. <laughs> it is, yeah, everything no, is so interconnected. Exactly. You can't, well, I, I guess until you start dealing with one thing, then you affect the other, but we have to look at everything you, holistically. You can only make impact. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, apart from government and um, poverty and all the stuff that we've mentioned. If you were, let's say, Minister of Tourism for one day, what would be the number one thing that you tackled right now in terms of cultural preservation in the city? Hmm. Minister of Tourism. I... Well, you don't want the role. <laughs> I truly don't want the role. I, I don't want the role and I want the role. I don't want the role because I'm very much aware of the intricacies and intrigues and politicking. Okay, let's act as if... All is this well. This is, yes, a utopia. All is well. Oh, <laughs> we don't have any of the bureaucracy. Oh, of course. If I'm the Minister of Tourism, the first thing I'll do is to, is to build that tourist community. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's nothing that's going to happen without that community. So, day one, hello, open call. Are you this person, this person, this person, this person, this person? Bring everybody that are of this mindset and ideology. Bring everybody together. Let's come on the table. One of my ideologies in life, one of my mantras is collaboration. You just have to collaborate. So if I am, if I have that power, I'm now the minister. I can do and do. I can release budgets. Wonderful. <laughs> I'll get every architect in Nigeria to the table. I'll get every designer, every musician, every artist, every performer. I'll get them on the table, and then we are going to start having serious conversations, mm -hmm. right? Conversations that will end up as frameworks, frameworks that each person then takes back to their own 
um, space and then implement. So at the end of the day, holistically. And then of course, being in government, once I'm done with that stage, and then you support, mm -hmm. right? You support with funding, uh, approvals, clearances, whatever, whatever it is that government is supposed to do. So yes, if I'm the Minister of Tourism, the first thing I'm going to do is to build that community, that tourist community. I mean, I like going to Ghana a lot because the moment I land, I just fall into a community that I'm at peace with, that I'm at home with, that I can yeah. relate, right? We do have that in Lagos, but it's largely um, centered on the island. Okay. Right? Do you have that community existing in bits? But where we should be is that that community should not be something that is isolated. That should be the norm. Okay. Rather than just a fringe. Exactly. Community. It should be the norm. And for it to be the norm, then you have to infuse it into schools, into curriculum, into society. And that is what I want to achieve with Nbaruno. Taking that hub and placing it in communities so that people can start rallying around that space. And if you could go back 50 years and you actually had influence in terms of cultural development, urban development in the city, what would you do? What would be your first step and why? Hmm. This is a very tough question. If I could go back 50 years and I have influence in uh, urban development, planning and design, what would I do? The same thing I'm doing today, really. I, I, I would still look at the environment, um, what is economically viable, what solves a problem, what answers a, a latent need, what is possible, mm -hmm. feasible technologically, um, and then make the best of it. So yeah. what I would have done 50 years is exactly the same thing I would, have, I would do now, which I am doing now. How do we make the best of what we have. That's it. How do we make the best of what we have? And even to that, I would actually say that it's never too late to start because let's look at the case of Singapore, for instance. Singapore had a lot of culturally relevant buildings yep. before they started, you know, um, this huge um, development phase that they're currently in or before they got to where they are now. And actually, they stopped demolishing a lot of those buildings, but it was kind of too late. But I guess the point of what I'm trying to say is the ones that remained, they took extremely great care of them. Of them. So even though, you know, we're losing a lot of these buildings today or they're not seen as important, we don't necessarily need to go back 50 years and start saying, oh, we wish, we wish we kept those because there's still a lot on you the ground now. You can rebuild them. We could. Yep. We could. And even... It, with that exercise, we could train people on how to build um, buildings. We could sort of bring back old construction methods, enlighten people. So creating experiences. Creating so around. there's so many opportunities that I think come from really engaging the preservation community in Lagos. Um, Mr. Chuma, <laughs> thank you so much for sitting down with us and discussing cultural tourism and architectural heritage. Um, this was a really enlightening conversation. First things first, I'm really obsessed about that Herbert Macaulay building. That's unacceptable. You can just walk in there. I'll hold a placard and I'll tell the person. You can just walk in there and um, and see it for yourself. You would not be happy. Yeah, no, I don't think I'll be happy at all. It's right there in your bar, so. Wow. And to all our listeners, we pose the question, what is your favorite historical building in Lagos? Do you have any memories tied to it? 
share with us on our social media platforms. We want to know. And thank you for joining us on this episode of Open Lagos Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to Open Lagos Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and follow our social media on Open House Lagos. Bye. Bye-bye.